Hey everyone, my name is Danny. It is a privilege and a pleasure to be with you all again today. Uh, if we haven't met, uh, yeah, it's weird to meet sort of this way, but good to be here. And uh, in the future, I certainly hope to meet you face to face. If we could do that again, that would be incredible. Let's do that sometime. Uh, how about we start with prayer? Let's pray. Father, we just ask that this morning you would speak to us. We want to hear words directly from your mouth. Lord, communicate to our hearts and souls. Use your word. Speak to us. Illuminate scripture to us this morning. We love you. Amen. So I have a friend. His name is Kenny. Uh, and he's an American guy. He was living down in California, kind of near L.A., and he's got three boys, and the three boys are bugging him, Dad, please, we want uh, a pet. And he kept saying, you know, we can't get a pet, we don't want a pet, no, 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 no. And eventually, his one said, please, please, they're begging him, please, we need a pet. And so he said, fine, fine, we'll get a hamster, okay? And, you know, it's kind of the lowest maintenance pet he could think of, and yeah, let's go for that. And so he goes to the pet store, he buys a little hamster, and he's like, you know, they're kind of cute, he kind of liked it, and so he bought two. He thought, this is great. And he brought it home, a little cage, you know, put the hamsters in the cage. And within a couple of days, these two hamsters decided to have more hamsters. And these hamsters started having babies and multiplying, if you know what I'm saying. And within a couple of weeks, he had 40 to 50 hamsters. And he's trying to separate them, figure out which is which, and put them in different cages. He's bought other cages to go along with these cages. But his hamsters keep having hamsters. And he's not sure what to do. He's freaking out. His house is starting to smell. He's yelling at his kids. I told you we shouldn't have more pets. What? Are you, this is terrible. And one day his son comes home from school. And his son's got this, like, you know, written announcement that the school is having a school fair and they're raising money for a charity. And so they're asking all the students to bring something to the fair to auction off or sell off or whatever that they can uh, give all the money to whatever charity it was. And Kenny has a brilliant idea. He's like, let's take pictures of all of our hamsters and we'll make up little cards that say adopt a hamster. If you pay $5, $10, whatever it is, you can adopt this specific hamster and so the kids were like yeah great way to get rid of these hamsters and so they took pictures of these 40 50 hamsters made up little cards and the kid took them to school the next day the fair was going to be on the following monday but they thought let's give everyone a chance you know of course parents will have to approve this so they they took the cards to school all the parents uh, got the cards home and sure enough by the end of the week all these hamsters had been adopted. All he had to do was take them to the school on the following Monday and the parents would come take these hamsters. And Kenny's like, finally, finally, this nightmare is over. And Saturday comes and his house just stinks, you know? And he's, he's kind of still angry. He can see the end, but it's just like, ah. And then Sunday morning comes and he's just fed up. And so he's like, you know what? One day to go, but let I want my house to smell better now. And so he's like, I'm going to just put these hamsters outside. They can live outside for a day. And so he takes all these cages with these 50 hamsters, puts it outside. And then he's about to head to church. But he's thinking, you know, this doesn't look good. What if a cat comes along or a dog or something and kills these hamsters? Obviously, they've all been adopted. This is terrible. I know what he do. He thinks, I'll put a tarp over them so that, you know, they're kind of protected. And he does that. He puts this tarp over them and they head off to church. And a few hours later, they come back and they look under the tarp to check the hamsters. And it, again, I want to tell you, they live in L.A. It is hot. And what he did was create a, a furnace and essentially committed hamster genocide here. And he looks in at all these hamsters 
are dead. And he's freaking out and his kids are crying. Why'd you kill the hamsters? He's like, I didn't want to kill the hamsters. And now he has a huge problem. You see, all these hamsters have been adopted. Kids are expecting not just a hamster, but a specific hamster. So the rest of the day, Kenny's going to every pet store in the area with all the pictures saying, do you have a hamster that looks like this hamster? I need, and he, oh, you, great. And then he goes to another, I need this hamster. And literally trying to buy 40, 50 hamsters to replace his dead hamsters. I kind of feel like the last 20 months or so of my life, there's been a bit, like this. Comical in some ways, if I could look at it that way, if my view can can go to comical, but just seems like circumstance after circumstance, just like worse and worse, and just, and then there's moments where you're like, ah, relief, finally, we're gonna get out of this, and worse again, and like, this is just how kind of our life has been going, shaped in the last you know, 20 months or so, almost two years, it feels like this. Let's bear that in mind for a second. You know, last time, uh, or a couple months ago, I, I did a video for you guys and we went to a place called Termesos, uh, up in the hills around near my house. And we did a little tour there of the, of the ruins. I wanted to do a similar thing like that this morning um, to a place called Yanartash, but the <laughs> The hits just keep coming. So that place, of course, was closed this weekend and I couldn't get out there to film this. Uh, so what we'll do, we'll just add some video for you guys here so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. This is about 40 minutes from my house. But what we have is a place called Yanartash. Yanartash is, is a World Heritage Site. It's incredible. It's kind of on this mountainside in this forest and just at the edge of that forest, at the base of that mountain, is the Mediterranean Sea. So it is spectacularly gorgeous, okay? And you, you, if you walk up, you kind of have to park down below, and you, you hike about a mile up into this mountain. You're going through forest, and it's lush, and it's beautiful. And then you come out, and the rock just opens. This bare rock all of a sudden, and you're there. You're at this place called Yanartash. Yanartash uh, is a Turkish word, two words, actually. And it literally means burning rock. And when you go there... What you see is the rock is just on fire. There's different parts uh, where it's just on fire. It's just burning. As far as we can tell, as far as history shows, this place has been on fire for 2,500 years, okay? And there's all sorts of really cool myths and legends about this place. You know, one of my favorite ones is this, that an ancient Greek god slayed a dragon in this place, but his breath has lived on underneath the ground of this place and it's still burning and shooting up fire. I like that one. There's another one about one of Zeus's sons, um, Hephaestus, I'm probably saying that wrong, but something like that. He gets kicked out of Mount Olympus when Zeus gets angry at him one day and he gets sent to this very place and he's made to be a blacksmith and making weapons for the other gods. And actually there's an ancient temple to this god, this kind of demigod, Greek demigod, uh, right at the base of where all these rocks are on fire. I mean, there's all these kind of cool legends. I mean, sailors used to go on the Mediterranean and really sail the coast at night by the fire burning on the rocks up above. It, it's, it's incredible. And really what it is, is there is gas under the ground and it's on fire. It's just on fire in the ground. It's not gone out for thousands and thousands of years. And it, it just vents up in this place, which is incredible is literally the rocks on fire. 
When I think about the last 20 months, this is it. I feel like the foundations of my life, the very solidness, the concrete has been on fire. You think this is, things I thought would never be possible are happening, have happened. You know, like last year, I don't know what it was like where you guys are, but you know, my kids, they went to school for maybe three weeks all of last year. Two years ago, that idea was unthinkable to me. Sports leagues, maybe sports is not a foundation in your life. It's a foundation of mine, I love sports. Sports leagues canceled. I can't, honestly, it's unimaginable. The Olympics hardly even happened. They happened a year late and talk, you know, there was controversy the whole time. They talked about canceling them. Unthinkable to me. Church. If I'm honest with you, there's a year and a half. I never went to church, not once. In fact, I didn't even gather that much with other believers. Why? I wasn't allowed to. We weren't even allowed to gather in our homes here. All coffee shops were shut down. We couldn't get together. It all happened on Zoom. I mean, can, these foundations of my life are on fire, crumbling. So what do we do with this? Like, what can we do? I, and for me, the idea, the thought has been this. I can turn to the unshakable word of God to help me through this season. And then sometimes I read things and I think, really? That's what the Word of God has to say about this? Like, I don't know if this is really helping me. In this season, I think it's obviously it's appropriate to talk about thankfulness. To talk about Thanksgiving. And when I look at the Bible, there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Let's, let's just take a quick look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for those who belong in Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. This seems like, at best, insensitive. You know what I mean? Like, I have no thankfulness for what's gone on in the last year. I, You know, I look at Kenny. It's like, I've just killed all these hamsters. Why would I be thankful in this circumstance. Now I have to go to the pet store and find new hamsters. My my rocks are on fire here. How can I be thankful? It feels crass even, like as I read that. Well, what do I do? How do I get through this? You know, one of the greatest Thanksgiving movies of all times, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, it is, honestly, it's incredible. If you haven't seen it, maybe pause this, go watch it. Maybe not, maybe that's not a good thing to say, but honestly, really, really good. And so there's a, there's a, if you haven't seen it, here's basically what happens. These guys are trying to get home for Thanksgiving to spend with their family and they're, they're in a city and then their flights get canceled and then all sorts of stuff happens. They're trying to book hotel rooms, but of course all the hotels are full because all the flights have been canceled because of this blizzard. They try to get a car, the car rental place, and, Everything on and on and on and on. And these two guys who are kind of on very different people end up together and trying to make this trip together. And it's comedic genius, of course. And at one point, they do get a rental car and then it starts on fire and it burns almost entirely. Amazing scene. And after that, they are forced to still use this car. And 
if, if you can imagine, they're driving this entirely burnt out car and it's still operating, but they're driving down the highway. None of the gauges work. Nothing's operating on the car except for the physical engine. And they're going down. And of course, a cop uh, stops them, pulls them over. I was going to put this clip on this for you this morning, but uh, I thought, you know, it's on YouTube or whatever. And there's probably copyright laws and this would get voided. So instead of that, I thought, why don't I act it out for you this morning? Maybe you'd appreciate that. Uh, I hope you enjoy this and I hope it works, but it's probably just gonna be stupid. Feel free to fast forward the next minute and a half. Here you go. This is the scene in planes, trains, and automobiles where the cop pulls over Del Griffith, the John Candy's character, Steve Martin's beside him. Uh, but the cop and John and John Candy, uh, Del Griffith are gonna talk. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> Do you have any idea how fast you were going? Well, funnily enough, I was just talking to my friend about that and our speedometer is melted, so it's very difficult to say with any degree of accuracy exactly how fast we were going. 78 miles per hour. 78, huh? Well, I can buy that. I mean, you would know. I guess you'd know better than us since we've got a melted speedometer. Do you feel this vehicle is safe for highway travel? Yes, I do. I really do. I believe that. You know, it's not pretty to look at, but she'll get you where you need to go. Now you got no outside mirrors. No, we lost that. No functioning gauges. No, not a one. However, the radio still works. <laughs> Funny with all this mess. Uh, but yeah, that's the only thing that really works well. And and it's as clear as a bell, you know what I mean? <laughs> so are we supposed to be Del Griffith? Where like, we're pretending sort of that all this mess hasn't happened and we're just jolly and laughing and oh yeah, the speedometer melted, but the radio is as clear as a bell and, and thankfully, that still works. Is that how we're supposed to do it? It kind of feels like when I read that verse from Thessalonians that that's what I'm supposed to do. Just sort of pretend, uh, bury my head in the sand, nothing bad's going on, the world is great, ha 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 ha, laugh, laugh. But that feels so wrong. Interestingly, Jesus finds himself in a similar situation. The word similar there, you might need to extract a little. Probably not very similar to planes, trains, and automobiles. He's not trying to get from one place to the other in the middle of a blizzard. But he's having a really, really hard time. And we can look at what he did. If you have your Bibles again, let's, let's look at John chapter 11. Many of you know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was one of Jesus' good friends. And he got really sick. And Jesus was told about this, and he kind of stayed where he was for a few days, and then Lazarus dies. And then Jesus is like, well, let's head over there. And all of Jesus' students, all of his disciples were like, well, we're just going to head to this funeral now? And Jesus is like, let's go. Come on. Let's get, let's get going. And they, they head off. And 
We do two things, I think, when we read this story that aren't really helpful. The first thing that we tend to do is we look at it, and because we know the ending, maybe you don't know the ending, but not to spoil it, we're going to read it in a second, Lazarus gets raised from the dead. Jesus raises him from the dead. And because we know that, we kind of minimize the pain and hurt of what all these guys are kind of probably going through at this moment to know that their friend just died. And the second thing we tend to do is we also know that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God incarnate in human flesh. And because of that, I think it's easier for us to look at situations that Jesus goes through as if he's God and not as if he's a man. And yet, Jesus was a man. Of course, he was God. And there's a mixture there. And how that totally works, we don't really know, but we know it's true. But I want us to try to look at the humanity in Jesus at this moment. So he shows up at this funeral. And there's people mourning. And not only that, but Jesus is near the city of Jerusalem. He's coming closer to it. And there's a bunch of people in Jerusalem who want to kill him. And so his disciples are like, we shouldn't go there. Like, it's super risky for you. In fact, in a few days from this point, it will actually happen. And they know it's, it's coming. And so there's like danger and his friend's dead. There's people crying. And then just to heap more tragedy on this a bunch of people blame jesus they're like if you would have just came you could have healed them and it would have been better so with all those things in mind let's kind of read what happens here we it's john chapter 11 we're going to start in verse 34 if you're there it says this jesus says where have you put it he asked them they told him lord come and see Verse 35, then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Carrying on. The people standing by uh, said, see how much he loved him. But some said, the man healed the blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave, a stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone away. Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for days, for four days, pardon me. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of the people that are standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Great start. As we look at this, I want you again to just notice sort of the humanity of Jesus here. Jesus literally is weeping. He's distraught. His friend is dead. He is around all these people that are feeling the loss of their friend. He's crying. Then he's angry. I mean, we're told, you know, he hears this, people blaming him. You could have just healed him, Jesus. Why didn't you do it? And, and his response is anger. I, I mean, the, this last season for us, I've responded in both these ways. I don't know if you have. There's been times where I've just cried. Like, why is this happening? There's been other times where I've just been angry. 
And then Jesus, in his prayer, says this, Father, thank you for hearing me. He gives thanks. Remember that idea, give thanks in all circumstances? It's not so that we could be like Del Griffith and sort of bury our head in the sand and just pretend it's okay. I mean, Jesus is mourning, he's weeping, he's angry. And in the midst of that, he says, Father, thank you for hearing my voice. He literally gives thanks in these circumstances. I am positive that this idea, give thanks in all circumstances, is birthed at this very place where they, Jesus' disciples are witnessing him giving thanks, and they're saying, wow, this is how we must respond in all circumstances. So where does that leave us? I'm sure many of you are mourning. Mourning the loss of the last year of your life. Mourning that your foundations are on fire, just like Yan Artash. I'm sure many of you are angry. In fact, that I'm not where you are, and I'm sure the responses have been different, but people here are angry and, and fighting about things that were unimaginable to me a couple of years ago. Can you imagine a church splitting because there were differing opinions on whether or not to get a vaccine? I mean, two years ago, if someone would have said, yeah, this is happening, families are literally breaking up because of this, I would say, you're crazy. But that's what's happening. We're angry. And yet I want you to know this. You can give thanks that God hears your voice. He hears it. Now, it may not feel that way. Maybe some of you are out of work. Maybe for the last year, you haven't been able to find a job and you prayed every day, God, I need help. Help me find a job. And it seems like God isn't listening. God doesn't hear your voice. I'm not really sure how to respond to that. Because your feeling's legit, but I know the unshakable foundation of Scripture says God does hear your voice. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. And you say, well, that's not me. I'm not righteous. But see, you are. See, because of what Jesus has done for you, you have taken his righteousness, and you have become righteousness yourself. You are righteous. This is literally about you. 1 Peter 3, 12 says, God hears your prayers. He hears you. You can be thankful of that. He may not be responding the way you want him to. In fact, in my life, I would say he's not responding the way I want him to. But I'm still thankful that he hears me. There are times in my life where I just want to be heard. And God is listening. He hears your prayers. He understands you. And then the response from that which may get even more complicated, but I think it's worth looking at. It happens in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 15. It says, we, it says this, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And again, this is complicated because it doesn't feel like that's true. And there's all sorts of theological ramifications. I'm sure you've heard sermons on this before about praying into the will of God and, and all these kind of things. The truth, I don't 
know if I understand all that or if I buy it, but I know that he hears me. And because he hears me, I have what I ask for. It's just not always the way I've asked for it. But I can be thankful that he hears it. See, with this then, what Jesus does, he thanks God for hearing his voice, and then he ushers life into a situation. He literally raises Lazarus from the dead. In our anger, in our frustrations, with our voices, we tend to be bringing death into situations. And it's easy to respond that way, to respond, again, just of the vaccine issue, whatever side of this issue you're on, it Honestly, it doesn't really matter to me, but it's easy to get angry and blast your anger at someone who has a differing opinion and then cause this to break relationship, to break churches. And this is not what God wants. God wants you to be thankful that God hears your voice and to bring life into situations, not to bring death. He wants you to to take those words and instead of just being angry and spewing off to say, God hears your voice too. Why don't we pray together about this? Why don't we worship together about this? Why don't we do actually what's more important in this situation and trust the Lord together? I don't know how that looks or the ramifications of it, but I think it's beautiful. We use our words to divide, to bring death. But if we can find a way to be thankful the next thing that tends to come from our words is life. I have a friend, uh, his name's Ahmed. His job is, he works for the city that he lives in and uh, he works for the water department. And when people don't pay their bills, he goes to their house and he puts a clamping device on their water. And so he shuts their water off so they can't get it until they pay their bill. And as you can imagine the last year and a half here in Turkey, I'm sure where you are, uh, lots of people can't pay their water bill. And so his job has been quite busy. There was a period where the Turkish government uh, allowed people not to pay their bill and didn't cut it off. But that period's ended and people need to pay now. And so he is going out and shutting people's water off. And I, I talked to him, I'm like, how are you dealing with that? And he's like, listen, I meet people on the worst day of their life and I make it worse. They can't pay their bills. They have no money. And I show up at their house and I say, now you have no money. You can't pay your bills. And now you don't have any water. I'm like, how do you do it? He's like, it's really hard. It's like lots of days I come home and I cry. One day, about a year ago, uh, this lady, Aisha, she hadn't paid her bill for months and months. And got the call. You need to go to this woman's house and cut off her water. And he went out there showed up at her house and she's crying, don't cut off my water, I need water, how am I gonna live? And he's like, I, you have to pay your bill, I, I have to do this, it's my job, I don't wanna do this. And she's crying, he doesn't know what to do, he puts the device on and he's leaving, she's like, please, please help me. And he's like, listen, he doesn't know what to do, he's got nothing, and so he's, he says, here's my phone number, my personal phone number, take it, and he writes it down for her, and he's like, if you just pay your bill, like the moment you do it, I'll come out here and I'll take this device off. You won't have to wait. You won't have to go through the system. Literally pay it. I'll see it. Text me. I will come out here and I will remove this device. And this woman, hopeless, just says, whatever. I can't pay the bill. And he leaves. Well, about a month ago, 
Almost a full year later, this woman sends him a text. I paid my bill. Can you come take that device off? Can you take the clampy thing off my water? And he's like, wow. And he checks the system. Sure enough, she did pay her bill. And he drives out to her house. And he's taking the device off. And he's like, how's this last year been? And she's like, it was incredibly difficult. And she'd been borrowing water from her neighbors. And there was a well down the road. She'd been pumping water from there. And she's like, you know, I didn't have a job. I couldn't pay my bill. And she's like, actually, I still don't have a job. But I got some money from my mom. And I was able to pay my bill. First step here. And she's like, it, like life is hard. And he, he says this. He says, uh, can I pray for you? And she's like, I'm an atheist, you know, I don't believe in God at all. And he's like, you know, that's okay. I still want to pray for you. Like, pray that God would bless you. Pray that you find a job. And and he says, I believe that God hears my voice. She's like, okay, whatever, you're crazy. And so he prays for her. And she, in, in a small way, experiences the presence of God. And she's like, what just happened? He's like, yeah, that was God touching your life because he loves you. He says, actually, my car, I have... A Bible? Would you like a Bible? I could give it to you as a gift. And she's like, you know, I don't read that stuff. I don't believe in it. He's like, listen, God believes in you, and he's got a message for you in the Bible if you want. He's like, I'll just give it to you. If you read it, great. If you don't read it, that's okay. Uh, You can have it. It's my gift to you. And he gives her the Bible, and he leaves. And the next day, she calls him. She's like, what is this book? He's like, she's like, you got to come out here. And, and he drives back to her house. She's like, I didn't sleep at all last night. I just was reading the word of God. And it's incredible. And for the next several weeks, every single day, they meet and read the word of God together and see his promises for her life. And she starts to experience the life of God from these words. And, and they, they begin to pray together. And I, I met her about a week and a half ago. I, I drove out to the city that they live in. And she says to me, she's now wearing a cross. She says to me, I want to be baptized. God is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm like, this is incredible. How's your life going? She's like, well, I still don't have a job. I don't have any money. I can barely pay. I probably might not even be able to pay my water bill next month. But she said, in this incredible circumstance, I've been able to meet God. And it's all okay. I have life now. And I give thanks for it. I mean, this woman's in the middle of tragedy still. And she's literally thanking God. We're going to go baptize her in a couple of weeks. You carry that power with your words. You can bring life into situations. It may not change the situation. It still may be tragedy. I don't know how long this lasts. But I know with thankfulness, you can bring life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would give us hearts that are thankful. Not to pretend.